Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Sometimes I wish I, I, I would take this more internally and consider who I am and who you are. Look at this. You are the children of the Lord your God. Selah. If that was a, a, a psalm, you could stop on that and just think about that for a while. Ruminate on that. We're going to get to that. Uh, ruminate on it. Chew on it. Think about it. Because you are a child. You're children of the Lord our God. And what a privilege. What a privilege to be a child of God. To know that we, are, we have been chosen by God. know what it means to belong to Jesus Christ? Hi everyone and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Pastor Rob begins chapter 14 of the book of Deuteronomy by expressing how important it is to know we are children of the Almighty God. God makes this promise to the nation of Israel and to us also who have placed our faith and trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. As children of the Most High God, we also have a responsibility to Him. God gave the Israelites specific instructions on how to worship Him. He also gives us instructions in His Word on how to follow Jesus each day. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Last time we were together, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 13. And if you recall, Deuteronomy chapter 13 was really God speaking uh, to the children of Israel. As you know, they're on the cusp of going into the promised land, and so God is sharing with them things that they need to be careful of. And one of the things in uh, chapter 13 was God was addressing uh, those who would have dreams and have visions and, um, and prophesy, um, and God was very, very concerned about how they would interpret dreams and and all these things, and also giving them a test to find out whether something was of the Lord or not. And the real test came when a false prophet would say something and say, let's go follow and worship other gods, and just so you know that, that it's God speaking to you or that this is okay, I'm going to prophesy something, and if it comes to pass, then you know that it's of God. And most Israel would say, well, that's true, right? And, and so God would allow them uh, allow this prophet to prophesy something, even though he's dead wrong in what he's prophesying, he would, he would give an event and it would come to pass. And so the people would think that maybe God is on his side. Maybe this is of the Lord, that it's okay for us to do these other things. And God says he did that and he allowed that to test them, to find out whether they would really follow him with all of their heart. And see, that's the thing that we always have to remember is that God is interested in our hearts. And whether something comes to pass, literally, or, or, or whatever, if it violates the truth of the will of God that we already know, we can know for sure, for certain, that 
whatever it is, can be dismissed, and that we do need not worry or listen to that prophet, no matter what he says or does. Amen? So it doesn't matter, because the time is coming, folks. You see, after the church is removed, the Bible says that this man of lawlessness, this Antichrist, he will be able to deceive, and he will be able to call down fire, and he'll be able to do all kinds of things, miracles, and people are going to flock to him, because they're not going to be able to to deny the miracle. And God says he will have, God will allow him to have all power. He's going to allow him to have a significant sway over the hearts of those who have rejected already Christ. And he's going to give them, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to fall for this delusion. And how important it is for doctrine? Very important. It's important for us to know our Bibles and to know. And so that's one of the reasons God is so concerned about the people of Israel. And so in chapter 13, he was just talking about these apostates and, and to be careful of false prophets and dreams. You know, that there's a lot of people who will listen to a dream and they'll somehow uh, base their life upon the dream or they'll listen to the dream regardless of whether it's biblical or not and they'll follow the dream and they'll think that the dream is real when, when the dream is not real. Now, God can speak through dreams. We know that he did that through the prophet, or he did that through Joseph, didn't he? He spoke to him. He gave him dreams. Joseph had the ability to interpret dreams. He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, and that's what put him second in command over all of Egypt, was the fact that he could interpret these dreams, and nobody could do that. All of Pharaoh's wise men and all their soothsayers and all those sorcerers, they couldn't do it, but Joseph could. And Daniel, the same way. God gave Daniel the ability to not only to know the dream, but to interpret the dream. Think of how impossible that is when Nebuchadnezzar said to his soothsayers and his sorcerers, you, you tell me the dream and the interpretation, and if you don't, I'm going to cast you, and we're going to cut you in pieces. Isn't that nice? Thank you. Uh, we're going to cut you in pieces, and we're going to make your houses a dung heap. And Daniel went in before the king, and he said, give me some time. And he and his three fellows, they prayed. God gave him the answer. He went back and told the king not only what his dream was, but the interpretation of the dream. So God is very much into dreams, but you have to be careful that you don't follow your dreams if it goes against the word of God. Okay? And so that's what 13 was about. But now when we get into chapter 14, it's going to be the Lord speaking concerning their mourning. If you look with me at chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, it says this. He says, You are the children of the Lord your God, and you shall not cut yourselves nor shave the front of your head for the dead, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Notice that first verse there. You are the children of the Lord your God. You are the children of Yahweh, your Elohim. That's what it means. And so he says, you shall not cut yourselves, nor shave your front of your head for the dead. And, and, and look at that first phrase. You're children of the Lord your God. What a privilege. Notice the standard. Sometimes I wish I, I, I would take this more internally and consider who I am and who you are. Look at this. You are the children of the Lord your God. Selah. If that was a a, a psalm, you could stop on that and just think about that for a while. Ruminate on that. We're going to get to that. Uh, Ruminate on it. Chew on it. Think about it. Because you are a child. You're children of the Lord our God. And what a privilege. What a privilege to be a child of God, to know that we we have been chosen by God 
before we were even born. Didn't he say it to Jeremiah? Before you were even in the womb, I knew you. And before you were in the womb, he knew you. And he knew the plan that he had for you and that he still has for you. And it's still being played out, isn't it? And you don't need to be discouraged. God is in no hurry. Remember that John the Baptist's ministry only lasted for a very short period of time. A very short period of time. I think it was like six months. I think that's right. Six months, maybe three years. I forget which one it is, but the the bottom line is it's a short time. And his ministry, that was it. And yet, hundreds of years prior to that, in Malachi and in Isaiah, prophesied 700 years before he was even born, his ministry. He came on the scene, his ministry was began, and it was snuffed out really quick by Herod cutting off his head. Remember that? But his ministry was short, but oh, how effective it was. How effective. And you think John was discouraged, you know, all of his life thinking, you know, not, you know, here I am in my, I don't know how old John was when, he, when they finally did that. But don't be discouraged of your age, where you're at. God has a plan. But get on fire for him now and let him use your life now. Don't think that your golden years or your, the, the, your, your foundational years, your most productive years are behind you. That is just something that the devil will lie to you because you can be more effective now, starting tonight, more than you've ever been. And don't settle for anything less because God can make you effective. He can make anything, he can do anything in and through your life. So don't be discouraged, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you feel you've fallen. But notice the standard. You're the child of the living God. You're not just a mass of cells that somehow uh, miraculously or through the, the, the series of evolution came together. You're not the product of your environment. You're the child. You are a child of the living God. And then he goes on and says, You shall not cut yourselves nor shave the front of your head for the dead. These were pagan Canaanite traditions that the children of Israel were, were getting involved in. And uh, to shave the front of your head, to cut yourself. Think of it, to cut yourself. What kind of worship is that? When you've got to prove something to your God, I've got to cut myself to prove that I'm really legitimate, that, I, that I'm really, uh, I really mean this God. Does God cause you to do that? Does he require it of you? Or did he say, I'll do it for you? Because that's what happened. He died on the cross for you and me. We all know this. But he did the dying so that we could do the living And we live now by the power of the Spirit, right? The power of the Spirit of God. We don't live in our flesh. Hopefully we don't live, we're living less in our flesh than ever each day as it goes on. But we live by the Spirit of God. But this idea of cutting themselves and then shaving the front of their heads, this was a Canaanite tradition and not a whole lot is known about it, but we see it throughout the Scriptures. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 19 um, we can look at that because think of this, hundreds of years prior to what we're looking at, uh, actually, um, yeah, because we're now in, in, in Deuteronomy. And so uh, quite a bit of time prior to this, God had told them, don't do these things because this is what the residents of Canaan, this is what they do. This is, a, this is how they worship. I don't want you to be like that. See, God cares about his people. He cares about them. And he, he's very concerned about how it is that you worship him. And all the Canaanites and the, the Girgashites and the, all the other uh, Hittites and, high, you know, 
all of them were involved in these kinds of practices. But God says, I'm going to set you apart. I want you to be a special people. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 26, it says this. It says, you shall not eat anything with the blood, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. You shall not shave around the sides of your head. There it is. You shall not disfigure the edges of your beard. There it is. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. Notice, nor tattoo. Any marks on you, I am the Lord. Now, I think about this generation, and I mean, that's what they did. They, they did all of these things as part of their worship of their false gods. And I think it's interesting that today, especially with young people, there's this thing about tattoos. Well, why, why is it that they want to get a tattoo? I mean, if you've gotten a tattoo, it doesn't mean you're condemned now. God can, you know, do anything with you. I've seen some really wonderful brothers who have been born again, and they're all tatted up. They, they got tatted up before they came to Christ, and there they are. They look like an inkwell, right? And, and God loves them. God forgives them. And you can still go on and serve him, right? But if you haven't gotten a tattoo and you're tempted to get a tattoo because somebody else, some other Christian is doing it, I want to challenge you. Why would you do that? To look cool? Isn't that how people start smoking when they're young? Because it looks cool. You're just kind of hanging out, man, next to the Corvette, right? And then like, man, that's the kind of thing I want. I want that. I want to look like that. I want to dress like that. I want to be that guy, right? And that's how they start, right? Tattoos, why? God says right here, don't make any tattoos or marks on you. Yes, he was speaking to the Jews. Yes, that's true. But think of this. I really didn't plan on going here, but I'm going to share it anyway because I think the Lord's in it. So here we go. Um, When you think of uh, a tattoo and you think about what's going to happen in the end days, we know that the Antichrist is going to cause a mark for you to place a mark on your body. It's going to be a tattoo of some kind, some kind of marking, an indelible mark on your skin so that you can buy or sell. And and, and do you think that the tattoos and all this stuff is, is preparing a generation, is getting them used to this idea? Hey, what's the big deal? It's just another tattoo. I'm just showing my allegiance to somebody else. No, by the way, I get to eat, and I get to work. I get to continue doing life. Sign me up. No big deal. I've got a tattoo of of an eagle on my arm and a Harley Davidson on my back, you know, and one that says mom on one side, another one that just says hey, right? What's the big deal? But God says don't do it. Don't do it. You are God's poema. You're his masterpiece. Why go for what the world is going through? And if you've gotten a tattoo, you know, don't be condemned about that. You know, I think it's always good to examine these things. But in Jeremiah, notice, now we're in the prophet Jeremiah, hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later after God gave this commandment, in Jeremiah 16, verse 5, it says, Thus says, says the Lord, and he's saying this to Jeremiah, Do not enter the house of mourning, nor go to lament or bemoan them, speaking of the children of Israel, for I have taken away my peace from this people, says the Lord, loving kindness and mercies. Both the great and the small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried, neither shall men lament for them, cut themselves, or make themselves bald for them. Because at this time, they were, all, they were doing all those things. They continued to do them. Think about it. Jeremiah, sometime in the you know, 5th, 6th century B.C., you know, and God had given this command 
back in Leviticus hundreds of years prior to that, and God was warning them about this very thing, and yet they continued to do it. In Jeremiah chapter 41, there was a gentleman named Ishmael who killed a governor who, after the children of Israel were taken out of Babylon, or taken out of uh, Judah and Benjamin and placed into Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar put a puppet governor in place. His name was Gedaliah. He was actually a good guy, and he put this governor in place, but this gentleman named Ishmael, um, he killed Gedaliah, and it says, and it happened, uh, in Jeremiah 41, and it happened on the second day after he had killed Gedaliah, when as yet no one knew it, there certain men came from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria. And these men were from all in the, uh, the Decapolis, you know, east of the river, east of the Jordan, most of them came over. And, and, and they were from up north, and they came down, 80 men with their beards shaved and their clothes torn, having cut themselves. They still hadn't learned the lesson by this time. And why is it what they were going into captivity? Because of these kinds of things. They never sanctified the Lord in their heart. They continued following false gods. They continued doing the things that God says don't do. And doesn't, he do, doesn't God deserve that, after all, for all he's done for us? Doesn't he deserve total devotion and affection? Doesn't he deserve my life for me to be obedient, to listen to him? They came and they cut themselves with offerings and incense in their hand to bring them to the house of the Lord. Oh, how nice that looks. A religious. They were religious. <laughs> Reminds me of that verse. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. They looked all, had all the religious trappings but they're still hanging on to this pagan stuff cutting themselves. Oh, but we bring in offerings to the Lord. You get my point? They hadn't learned anything, and that's one of the reasons why they were being taken captive. And so they cut themselves. And if you recall, in 1 Kings chapter 18, this is when Elijah had the showdown with the 450 prophets of Baal. So it says in chapter 18 of 1 Kings, so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered them, prophets, together at Mount Carmel. And you remember that he, he gathered all these together, and, and finally they're, they're preparing wood, and they're going to have a contest. The, the God who answers by fire is, the, is the, the one true God. So they build two altars. One, they, they soak them with fire, or they soak them with water, I'm sorry. And, they, and the, you know, the prophets of Baal, they're trying to, trying to get their God to respond. And when he wouldn't respond, what did they do? They, they, they increased their intensity, their fervor, their religious zeal, and they began to cut themselves to where the point where blood was gushing out of them because they weren't getting an answer, and their God wasn't responding. And then, you know, Elijah, he taunts them, and finally he just says, Lord, you show them who God is. <laughs> and he just, and a fire came down from heaven, consumed the water-laden logs, licked up the water all the way around it, just poof. And they're, they're sitting there with their mouth wide open, right? But there they are cutting themselves, worshiping their God, being faithful to their God, lowercase g. <laughs> but it's interesting that one of the things that young people are doing today, even still cutting themselves. Have you ever known a young teen to cut themselves? I've known young people doing this kind of thing, and they'll, they'll cut themselves for various reasons. But it almost makes you wonder if it's just the same spirit, the same spirit, could be. I don't know. They're not really worshiping a God other than themselves, maybe. But the devil could care less about what God you're worshiping, if it's yourself or something else. Anything but the one true living God, Jesus Christ, right? And so, 
but there's nothing new under the sun. It's just packaged in a different way for a different group of people for a different time in history. In history. In verse 2, he says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And I love this because God is speaking to the Jews here, and he's calling them his special people. And this is not the first time either. You look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We've already been through this chapter, but he says, You are a, a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. And the Psalms, Psalm 135, verse 4, For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. Do you get the point that God loves his people? That they are a special treasure to him? And even in Exodus chapter 19, it says, Now therefore, verse 5, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. Aren't you glad that the earth is his and the fullness thereof? And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. You know, and I love that. It, it's God calls his people, the Jewish race, the Jewish people, Israel. He calls them his special people. And not only them, but also the church. He calls us. There are many passages in the New Testament where God will refer to the church, made up of Jew and Gentile, as his special treasure, as his unique people. See, of all the people on the earth, God looks down and he sees the Jews, he sees the church, and he sees Gentiles. He sees the Jews, the church, and Gentiles. And he calls the Jews his special people. They've got their own, they're, they're a, a, a distinct group of people. They've got their own destiny, and so does the church. The church, the church is a very uh, identifiable group of people bought by the blood of Christ, and they also have a destiny. And the destiny of the church and the Jews are going to intertwine when we get to the millennial reign when Christ comes back in his second coming, and then on into eternity, well, our, our destinies will intertwine and we'll be part of that together. But a special people. And you know, remember that. You've been told all your life in school that you're just a product of animals, that you're just an, an animal. Is it any surprise that what we see in the school system today is animals? They're being true to form. They're being true to what they're being taught. Is doctrine important? Is it necessary? You better believe it. You keep telling somebody that they're a mistake, that they just kind of evolved out of happen chance. They evolved. There's no, no rhyme or reason to it at all. No designer, no accountability. You're just here. Just enjoy life. If it feels good, do it. Just do it. Because when you die, that's it. That's what they teach. And is it any surprise? that we see what we have. But you tell a child from birth that they are a special prize of God, that God loves them. That child grows up very differently, and that child has a whole different perspective. That child has a purpose in their life. They know that God loves them. They know their parents love them. What a difference. And see, we're reaping the whirlwind, this country right now. God has allowed this to happen because that's what we wanted. And God is allowing it to happen. And are we going to let it happen, just continue to roll over and and let all this filth just continue to go through? It's time that we stand up. We don't have to stand up with a machine gun. We don't have to stand up with a pistol and get our point across. You can stand up, rather kneel, (laughs) and, and pray in earnest 
Say, God, heal us. Heal our land. Heal the church. Help us not to be afraid of anything. Help us rather to be fearful of you. Fear God. The fear of man brings a snare, but fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom to fear him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, Peter uh, says this, and we just read this last week, last Sunday. The Holy Spirit speaking through Peter says, you are a chosen generation, speaking of these, this church that had been burdened. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.